This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. This podcast is protected by Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Lady Amanda of House Ryan, Lady Rajal of House Stevens, Sir Ron of House Golson, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Arya 1 of A Clash of Kings. Woo! Hey man, we're here. Yeah. Cla- it's, t- it's, time, it's time for the War of the Five Kings to begin. Yeah. And it really starts right here. It does. It does. The, the war is beginning... Uh, it's it's picking up. Uh, we're wishing everyone out there uh, good fortune in the wars to come. Okay, mm-hmm. absolutely, ab- absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, last week we got hit the prologue. We learned a little bit about Patchface, a lot of new players, Stannis Baratheon, Davos Seaworth. It, times are a changing yep. in Westeros. Yes, yeah, they are. Yeah, we got you know the the, the powers are emerging. Uh, you know we've got characters spread out, going through some hard times, developing, as we see with Arya in this chapter. So, yeah, it's it's actually it is exciting. I I, I am more like just I'm I'm pumped to get into like the meat of this book because mm-hmm. what you're you're gonna learn a lot. Actually, even, like even and we'll get to it later. But like the description of the wagon, even as they go north and like the 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 Night's Watch and what's happening there with Yorn and stuff, it's just. It's cool. It's cool to be back in it and, and thinking about that kind of stuff and looking at the detail. And, every, and when I do, I just keep thinking, it's not going to be anything like the show. You know, it's going to no. be its own thing, friends. I know. As the, And as we said, you, the first book and the first season go really hand in hand. And then after that, you, you, it's so tricky because I think I've, being away from the books for so long when we were talking about the seasons – yeah. Um, as season eight uh, came and went, we were we were saying things like, "Oh yeah, the books in the show they're really close, they're not that different." But then you start diving back into the books, and you're like, "Yeah, I don't know. Actually, yeah. uh, right, 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 right yeah. uh, things a little more different." Yeah. Um, you really get to see, especially in a chapter like this one, which we'll we'll get to here. Uh, kind of the the road is not really pleasant. The, the king, the king's road, no. and the road, or the road Arya has to travel. Right, and I, I'm, I think the first few chapters in this book, uh, you know, we go from Arya, and then next week we'll be talking about uh, Sansa. Um, man, they're in really, they're in, in a really bad spot. Yes, uh, you know, it's like as our as our story begins, you know, you think a book ago around these early chapters, everything's everything is pretty pretty hunky dory. You know, the king comes. Oh, there's going to be some changes. We're going to go to King's Landing. It's exciting, and here we are. Uh, one book later and uh your dad is dead the uh, your your brother is declaring war your other brother was pushed out of a window yep yep 
I mean, wow, so many things ha- so many things have happened. Arya's on on the run, essentially, um, trying to run away from the the the, the Kingsguard and the, and the mm-hmm. Red Cloaks and and all of the, the city guard. Yeah, um, trying to go un, un unnoticed as she tries to go back towards towards Winterfell. So it's it's not not very not looking very good. No, it's not. It's not. And it's just gonna. But well, you know, it's crazy. It starts off like that. It, it's really weird too, isn't it? How you have one or two characters who, well, okay, we love the Starks. You know, we're we're kind of mm-hmm. bred to love them, and then we see them go through, as you say, this this turmoil. But then it's like for that redemption arc for the entire family, you start to think here it is in Rob. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah. but the other characters are still suffering. It's just such a, a roller coaster, and it's such a a journey. Uh, and it's, I, I know he's trying to parallel it with like you know, historical you know, mm-hmm. stories and then, then just be more realistic. But it's, man, it's a, it's something. It is something. Yeah. So this, uh, yeah, this book is absolutely. one of the best. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, <sighs> all right, man. Well, uh, we are here to uh small council. Yeah. Sir Ezra, how you doing, man? Yeah, man. You know, it, well, first of all, uh, winter's not coming anymore to Ohio. It's here. So, we're getting like three to four inches. There's this arc. I don't know. You're out there on the West Coast, so you might not know mm-hmm. about this. But it's supposed to be like record setting uh, temperatures in like over 300 different locations here in like the Midwest to whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's it's East Coast. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. So preparing for that, my friend, that's what I'm preparing for right now. Hey, well, out here on the West Coast, it is actually still a pretty, uh, pretty warm considering, at least in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, the rain season hasn't really, really started yet. I feel like it's about to. Yeah. Um, luckily, we still had some decent weather. I went to the coast, as we call it out here, out there and out there on the other side of the country. They call it the beach. Uh, here we call it the coast because they're two very different things. Yeah, uh, you know when I think of going to the beach, I'm thinking of Florida or <laughs> right, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, North Carolina, Myrtle Beach, <laughs> Virginia Beach, sunny, warm. Yeah, here we go to the coast in the Pacific Northwest where it is uh, 30 degrees year round. Yeah, and rain and rain and kind of uh dry, you know, rainy. But it was kind of nice actually driving um, from Portland out there. Uh, you, get, you just drive through kind of the mountains a little bit and um, the forests and it's foggy and just yeah, just something about it. Dude, okay, I, I'm, I'm totally going to expose myself here. Uh, and, whoa, and, whoa, 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 whoa. Thank God this is an audio <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, recording. Yeah. The, okay, there's no this. visual component to this yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, dude, I, it makes every time you say you're going to the coast, and this is, I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, it makes me think of the episode in Twilight when they go out mm-hmm. to the beach and they're out there surfing and stuff, you know, with like Bella and. You know, right. Edward, you know, the Cullens don't come here. So I the can't, Cull- believe, I hey, I yeah, can't the, believe I said that. The Cullens don't go there for a lot of reasons. <laughs> One, because they're not allowed. Right. Because of the pact that they have with yep. the, what's uh, what's the werewolf's na- guy's the, names? The, the tribe. What's their yeah, last name? Yeah, what's their last name? Gosh, it's I Jacob don't know. something. Right. And then also because they shine like diamonds. Sorry, we literally just ruined Twilight for, for people. <laughs> so, oh, cow. but it's great. I Hey, I, hey, man. Just, maybe we'll do a Twilight podcast at, at some hey, point. Hey, you never it's, know. You never yeah. know. You never know. We'll just add that in. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it just kind—it's of, just kind of funny. It just reminds me. I thought of that. Uh, yeah. 
when you head up. Yeah, that's, hey, that's, Forks that's, is out there by you. So it is. Well, it's north. It's it's really north of here. But actually, a lot of the locations in that they use to film are relatively close for me. Actually, the cafe that they they go to is in a little town called. I think it's, well, it's the Carver Cafe, but I think it's in Damascus, Oregon, which I think actually I live like 15 minutes from it. And then the town where like the high school is, I think is in, I think, what is it, Kalama or Kelso, Washington, mm-hmm. which is just north of Portland. And then you have Vancouver, Washington. So it's like kind of in that in that region, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There's like a sign. There's like a sign on one of the buildings that was like Twilight was filmed here. You can see on the I five, which is the road Holy that cow. goes from, which is the road that goes, you know, from Seattle to Los Angeles, dude, or San Diego. So what? What I want to know is where did they film the scene where Jacob's got his shirt off in the rain? You know what I'm saying? It's like right. Where yeah, is that I'm, at? You I'm, know? Yeah, I'm still looking. Now, hopefully, yeah. I can go. Re- maybe I, I can, maybe recreate. Maybe I can right? go recreate it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, You're gonna need some serious, some serious uh, visual effects there to uh, make you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! But anyways, yeah. So uh, that's cool. Yeah, heading out to the coast. That's awesome. And hey, we both have an update, right? We've got some uh, uh, hyperspace news. Ironically, uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big stuff coming out. Disney Plus comes out uh, tomorrow. That's pretty yeah. exciting, which means uh, the Mandalorian, their big show. I've been talking about it a lot. Um, I have, you know, this entire weekend taken off for the, you know, seven seasons of Goof Troop I'm going to be watching. So, yep. Yep. I mean, sign me up for that. Try and stop him, guys. Try and stop yeah. him. Yeah. Actually, I don't know how many seasons of Goof Troop there are, but I'm going to find <laughs> out. So. <laughs> yeah, many Christmas. Yeah, it, it looks cool. I'm, I'm excited. It's coming, coming, you know, Disney Plus tomorrow. And it should be cool. You're excited. Yeah. You're excited for Goof Troop. I mean, it is pretty I, cool. Yeah. You know, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Is that going to be du- on there? DuckTales. Absolutely. It ser- is. Wow. Wow. Tails. Tailspin. Um, oh, tail, yeah. I want. I want. Yeah. Is that Tailspin? Darkwing. Du- Darkwing Duck. Yes, it is, man. What? Wow. Darkwing Duck, man. And then they bought, you know, Disney bought some of the rights to the Fox stuff. So the X-Men animated series, uh, the entire Simpsons is going to be on there. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, then there's all the old Disney classic movies. I mean, what's your favorite Disney classic movie? Oh, my gosh. Is Robin Hood going to be on there? Robin Hood's on there, man. Yeah, that's the one. Do, 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 do. Sword, yeah, sword, sword in the Stone. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Her- Hercules, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Toy Story. It's all going to be on there. Wow, that's awesome. That's exciting. Again, I mean, Disney, if you want to right. sponsor us <laughs> for how much we type Disney Plus and we're literally getting nothing out of it, I'm just super excited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We 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 need. Yeah. If you want to send us something, that's, that'd be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that that seems to be that seems to be my plan. But um, and speaking of that whole thing, it the cool thing about it is that you know we're going more and more away from uh cable i think you know this is just a, this is just another step in that long line of eventually there won't be cable there will just be services and you just buy into whatever company you want and i think it's cool because it causes these other companies to have to uh challenge each other and that's where we look at why i think that i think it's a big reason perhaps why HBO said no to the Long Night and yes to the Targaryen War because yeah. I mean everyone everyone's getting their big killer show on Hulu and Netflix and and HBO and it's it's becoming kind of a a, a war 
of the five kings really i mean how many mm-hmm. big companies are there so i mean i think yeah. that's i think that might be another reason you look at disney plus i think disney plus is going to be like enormous i mean it's gonna be huge it's gonna be a huge deal so i mean the mandalorian budget i just looked at was 120 million dollars that's like as much as a movie wow yeah 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 so yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we, we definitely will be covering the uh, Mandalorian series over on Hyperspace Hangout, our other podcast there. So if you guys are interested, and we're doing daily content uh, there as well. So we just wanted to kind of throw that out there as we, mm-hmm. as we get ready for this release tonight. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. And then when uh, we get back to some more Targaryen stuff on, on TV, we'll go back and we'll do some daily content over there. It might be a year or so until we get it, but you yeah. never know. Yeah, absolutely. So, Wait, and wh- while we're plugging projects, we got one more in the works too. We're working on, uh, you know, just a little something. We're gonna have a teaser. I think I'm gonna have that teaser up this weekend. I'm, I'm hoping. Okay. Uh, I'm doing that teaser episode so folks can kind of go subscribe. Mm-hmm. I'm not even do it later. You know, I'm just. Right. And I so believe there's up. a there's a patron there's a Patreon episode that you and I recorded that sh- is going up sometime tonight soon. Okay, there we go. It's a patch face episode. So yep. we did we talked about patch face last week. We have some patch face content coming. I know that's what everyone's super excited for. I mean, I just need more patch face. Well, you, yeah, well, you're going to get them. I mean, there's there's going to be more. Well, of them I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. Actually, the theory we break down is actually, you know, now I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about that. We did, we did that last week. It's actually pretty insane. The theory we broke down where they yeah. talk about what his rhymes mean. Um, even some of them saying that it relates back to old Valyria. And uh, he talks about, you know, the smoke rising. And and uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, it, it, like like him being the mouthpiece for yeah, which I don't want to spoil, but it, it's it's uh, it's interesting. It's different than what we had talked about when we did follow up Friday, and we were talking yes, about is. yeah, yeah, because I think some of the bigger YouTubers had kind of just believed that he was associated with the drowned god, but there's a lot of people who think it's nothing with with Gurm is that obvious, and mm-hmm. and so there's there's more to him than meets the eye, and right. the, the crazy thing is that you know. Melisandre is scared of him essentially. Yes, she is. Yeah, and that's that's uh that is pretty interesting because there's only really two people she ever sees in her flames that she talks about how she um is either scared of them or she's uh she finds it disturbing and it's Patchface and Bloodraven. Mhm. Mhm. So Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. So, but. all right, man. <sighs> well, uh I don't think uh, do we have a captain's report? Um, well, we, I, I think those just started back up in the Facebook group. I mean, I yeah. don't. There was. Um, is there one in here? Let me see. Maybe. Um. I. I haven't. Uh, oh. Okay. Have... Okay. Well. Well. Yeah. This is just a few things here from. Yeah. From. Um. This is while we were on hiatus during that time where we were. You know, we took a couple weeks off there. Mm-hmm. And um. Let's see the comment we got from Lord Robert. Just that while Captain's Report is on hiatus, uh, comment with your favorite scene from the series, book and or show. Feel free to explain why or how it could have been better in your opinion. So this was sort of that transitioning when we were going from you know Game of Thrones to A Clash of Kings. and um, So we can go, yeah, we'll read a couple of these because actually we don't, have, we don't have a maester study today. So Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, so we'll just go through these. Um, so Bobby Butler has here my personal favorite scene. Uh, it, it's, a, uh, it's a small one in Eddard uh, 4. When Ned is speaking with Catelyn about fortifying Moat Kalen, it shows his skill for tactics and war and ability to um, to be a step ahead. If only Ned played the Game of Thrones with the same skill he had for war tactics, uh, he and his family would be safe. And actually, you know, 
think about that during Robert's Rebellion. I mean, he is a boss. I mean, he does mm-hmm. a lot of he's he's super trusted to kind of lead, you know, uh, you know, Robert's forces and stuff. So he, he comes to the rescue. He he does a lot of good things uh, during Robert's Rebellion. So and yeah, it, that is a neat scene when he's sort of like prepping Catelyn with like, here's what we need to do. You know, call the banners in secret. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, just, it's super oh. cool. It, it does. It immediately makes him seem like, wow, he's like just dispatched like 10 things. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, let's see. We have to pull this thread up on Facebook if you can just to get all the other, you know, m- uh, more that's okay. stuff there. But what, what what's yours? What's your what's one of your favorite scenes? Oh, my favorite scene. Yeah. So is, huh? this, is this just is this is he saying just from the books? Yeah. So he's saying uh, favorite scene so is, from are the we specifically series. talking from the series from the series you know book and or show so you can go either one um let me see here from the show i mean uh, two of my favorite scenes are john when john becomes king in the north i think it's just a really cool scene they're all sitting around the hall and they all get up and kind of um they talk about oh we should ride home you know for the winter and then john says hey I've seen winter and it's it is it is the storm, right? And then yeah. little Le- then Lady Mormont gets up and she calls everyone out and they all like <laughs> just they're all like, Oh man, yeah. this girl just put us in our place, and then everyone stands up and crowns Jon Snow <laughs> King of the North. And then you see Littlefinger and Sansa have exchanged looks, which is still like this huge big moment, but there's also the Game of Thrones being played at the same time. I think it's just done really, really well. And then of course I just love the um, Arya and the Hound at the end of the crossroads scene uh, where they're arguing over chicken. I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. um, you know, and, yeah, and so it's it's perfect in the books. Actually, um, I, I don't know. I think it's a storm of swords or a feast for crows where you get some of those inner monologues from Cersei. And she's talking about how much, um, you know, kind of a jerk that Robert Baratheon was. And how, you know, it, so you get to see some of her, like, psychological development and yeah. some of her, her character development as to why she is who she is. And uh, it actually, you start to feel for her a little bit. And you, you start to see, like, ah, you know, she didn't really have it easy. She was supposed to marry Rhaegar. Then she gets Robert Baratheon. And he's calling out a different woman's name on the night of their bed. And then yep, he kind yep. of forces himself on her sometimes when she's when he's drunk. And then he's, like, whoring around and all of this stuff. And so I think it's kind of cool and interesting to get her her side of that story. And I, I think, I think it's just kind of, I think it's some really good writing um, on Gur that you get that just, you, cause you know, we just finished a game of Thrones. And in that book, the only other perspective you really get is Tyrion um, as an, as an, as an outsider. And that's one of the things that you'll see. in in this book, you start to get, you start to get these different houses perspectives. And that really starts to, I think, change the way you view characters. Yeah, it, it adds a whole other dynamic, right? Yeah, you start to you start to right. It, th- this is why it's so attractive to people who maybe were like, "Yeah, I'm I'm sick of uh, being a Stark fanboy. I just want to kind of uh, attach the House Tyrell or something, which is which is going to be an emerging house." And actually, you know, when I hear about House, the like 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 the Tyrells and what what's you know the the Knight of Flowers and everything, it's 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 cool. It's got it's it's got a cool it is you know uh, piece to it. And a character in that, let me, let me find this real quick, because we're talking about favorite scenes here. So, you know, m- one of my favorite scenes, obviously, is the Beric Dondarrion book and show. I think it's the calling of him, the the uh, command by Eddard Stark. I, I think that's epic, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, um, in season eight, when he throw at the, the long night, when he just straight up throws his sword at that guy. 
at the yeah. at, at the at the white and like the that's a pretty epic scene. And then of course when he uh when he like basically turns his sword, you know, into like a lightsaber there when he put catches it catches it on fire when all of the whites are charging them in season seven when they go to try to get one so they can show Cersei in the dragon pit. That's pretty sweet. He's just like standing there and then the next thing you know, his sword's on fire. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, let's see here, man. I, I even pulled up the the tree and I still can't find. It. So it's um Marjorie Tyrell's brother. I can't think of his name. N- not Loris. Not, not Loris. Oh, the, the one that other the one, one that is supposed to marry. Yeah, he has a um his leg is hurt. God, right. I'm blanking on his name right now. And I don't know why. Um, Loris. No, will no, that's not it either. Um, anyways, yeah. So is it will? Is it Willis? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. House Ty- eldest son of Mace Tyrell. Yep. Here we go. He is the heir to Highgarden. Okay. Yeah, he is a cripple with a bad leg. He is often noted as a, as a studious, educated, uh, and kind. He is renowned for uh, breeding the finest hawks, hounds, and horses in the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, he sometimes flies an eagle. Okay. So, let's see. Last thing... Yeah, okay, so the last thing we heard about him was in A Dance of Dragons, uh, Sir Kevin Lannister, the regent of King Tommen uh, I. Baratheon thinks that uh, that Mace wants to marry Willis to Tommen's sister, the wounded princess, Marcella. Wowzers. Okay, cool. I, I always just like that this was someone who, you, there's images of him, he's got like a cane, and he, I think he got hurt or something with his, like his knee ended up getting busted or something, and then he, he ended up just being, you know, crippled or whatever but he's still right extremely smart and everything i just always wanted to see that character i always wanted to actually meet him and and see what he would be like so yeah that's just kind of an odd little uh nugget one of those characters i i, I love but yeah for me it's uh favorite scene barrett and darian the other thing the, the other scene that i like would be uh corn halfhand when john and he are about to be taken well actually yeah when they fight they have to fight and john is Trying to basically showing that he is no longer a crow and he's 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 infiltrating Mance Raiders camp and everything like that. That's that's a pretty intense moment and that's some that's a that's a pretty cool scene there. So Yeah. Okay. Um a couple more comments here. Let me go back to the Facebook group. I got this pulled up now. So we've got uh, Sam the Hammer. Um it's the next chapter for me, prologue to um a Clash of Kings. Uh Maester Cresson uh presents a really complex nuanced perspective of Stannis's character and that's true so we talked about that last week um Crescent kind of he cares about those boys you know and and he wants them to he wants Stannis to smile again or he he wishes that he he could and then he also knows that Renly's out out playing playing his game and pretending to be a wizard and then a king and what have you so um he said, so who I would argue has uh, the greatest potential to be cartoonish without it. At the same time, we get introduced to Melisandre uh, and Davos, a good chunk of the exposition on the recent history down at Storm's End and the relationship dynamics with all of the big players in Westeros. Then finally, Crescent takes on the Red Woman in what is a massive scene uh, which kicks everything that Stannis goes on to do in motion it really it's really dense and really well written um yeah you really do get uh, like sort of some insight into the maesters and what they believe and what maybe they're afraid of um maybe fearing what they don't understand uh not wanting to make any alliance you know why didn't crescent go and sort of like talk to her i guess and maybe maybe learn from melisandre or 
whatever it, it 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 he's just so he's just dead set against it he also i think sees that ah uh, gosh he wants the healing between stannis and renly and he sees mm-hmm. that logically there's a way you know if you would just set your pride aside here's you know a way in which we could make this work but melisandre knows that he's he has pride and she's going to use that she she wants to you know kind of uh here you go inflame or, or you know uh stir up his pride essentially so she takes advantage of that. Um, we have Lady Rebecca uh, of House Mor- of House Morton. Uh, as someone who is still reading the books, I haven't got a whole a whole book perspective yet. But my favorite moment uh, in the show was little Lady Mormont being a badass and, just, and declaring Jon Snow king of the North. Yeah, I think that's that, that's all. That's often a lot of uh, folks' uh, favorite favorites there. So uh, favorite scene, and she was great in the last season too. You know, even just when remember she stabs the giant. Mm-hmm. In the eye. I mean, that was sick. That was awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Um, so a Bitterman has no name. Here we go on the show. My favorite moment is the Tully funeral. The Blackfish stepping up, showing Edmure how it's done. <laughs> yeah, oh, that is that is a great scene. Yeah, yeah, ep- epic on so many different levels. Uh, honorable mentions go to the moments when Arya and the Hound uh, get to the Bloody Gate, and also when Ned and Robert are sitting to dine at the side. Uh, of the King's Road. These are the small yet powerful and multifaceted moments that made Game of Thrones so great. Much more impactful than any big battles or spectacular visuals. You know, yeah, that's a good point. That that's that's interesting. It, it, the, like the the longer, the further the story, the the, uh, the show progressed or whatever. I, I think it was harder to find those moments or to kind of heighten or or focus in on some of these conversations or. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still there, but they maybe weren't as as dense or as well. There is a there is a statistic I saw when people were you know criticizing season eight of dialogue time, and that yeah. it it drastically just goes down and down and down as the uh, series progresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did feel like a, a, not a lot was said. You know, it was just sort mm-hmm. of yeah. And again, that goes to the books aren't finished. I think a lot of that, right. but. Um, so yeah, those are powerful uh, moments there. In the books, my favorite part is the prologue to uh, for a feast for crows. It's so vivid, so mysterious, so thought provoking. It oozes intrigue and the story building. It expands the world and the potential of what is to come. Okay, so I think just because I'm curious and we have a short chapter here, um, let me see. Isn't isn't that uh, the prologue for a feast of crows? Is that Ooh, I'd have to relook at that. What uh, what I, happens I, I, there? I'm pretty sure that's where what's his name is a skin changer. Let me see here. Let me just double check because I can't remember. Veramir six skins. Oh no 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 no! This is even better. This is even better. This is um, I love this. This is when they're in Old Town and um, we kind of get that. Is it Jack and Hagar situation? Pate mm-hmm. is in there with the other students. Alarius, uh, Armin, Rune. Yeah, and. He's he's in, they're tr- he's trying to get a a, a key, remember that mm-hmm. like this this yes. uh, faceless man is trying to get a key into the citadel of Old Town, and then at the very end of that of that book, you you get introduced to uh, Marwyn the Mage, and you learn about the the same person who is killed at the beginning of that prologue. Major spoiler, uh, Pate is he ends up he's he's um. He's the one who's killed at the beginning of that prologue, and then if you're really paying attention, at the very end, he's sitting in there with one of the maesters. So someone took his face, you know. Someone is um, sitting there as as Pate perusing through 
the Citadel of Old Town. That is cool. Really cool. I couldn't remember if that was... Because both of those, in A Dance of Dragons, you also have, like, the prologue there is is super epic as well. Prologues are important in this series. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and the, the fact that... And then in some of the later books, they add epilogues, and they're different characters yeah. as well. Yeah, I actually... Uh, yeah, I forgot about one of the epilogues. If you remember back early on in this... Um, in in our podcast, some some stuff with uh, Kevin Lannister and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, totally different than the books. To- yeah, yeah. So, um, oh yeah, well, Sam the Hammer is talking about right there. Yeah, all the different uh, prologues and how how cool they are and the stories that are contained there. And yeah, good. Um, yeah, okay. Let's see, Rebecca. I forgot about the Tully funeral. Yeah, the Bloody Gate. Uh, okay, cool. So yeah, some just uh, cool stuff there. The mm-hmm. only um, the red wedding. Were... Anyone say that? D- no favorite no. scene. Didn't see that. Wow. There was only about seven to eight comments there. Yeah, I yeah. died. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> the... I mean, yeah. Or, or, or what about the scene where Stannis burns his daughter? Is that did anyone put that in there as <laughs> no, his favorite, his favorite scene? Gosh, uh, no, man, no, you know, no. Just... Gosh dang it! Gosh that, dang it! Some... Thought some people yeah. might just, thought we might have some uh, Lannister and other people loyalists in there. So, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Actually, a scene that that uh, is talked about here by uh, in the captain's report, which is which was back as of November seventh. I just found this. Um, here we go. Did Tywin know about the purple wedding? Uh, so you know, Joffrey. You know, did did he did he know what was going on there? And we had twenty seven votes for no and five for yes. So, because if he did know, was he involved in it? Was he okay with it? Did he know about it and let it happen? Um, or was he? did he have a hand in it? I think is the question there. So, yeah, some cool stuff there. So, shout out to, to Lord Robert. Always appreciate the, uh, the captain's report. Man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right, man. All right, well, let's head on over to the uh, reread here. Uh, this one's going to be kind of weird here, and it's going to be kind of weird for our first couple of chapters here because our last POV will actually be in the previous book. So last week we were in the prologue discussing some of our new players in the field where Maester Cresson was brooding on the omens all around him on Dragonstone when news arrives that the Storm Lords would not support Stannis Baratheon's quest to the Iron Throne. Crescent comes into conflict with Queen Selyse and the Red Priestess Melisandre over what course to take. In a desperate attempt to kill Melisandre, Crescent shares poison with her but dies while she remains unaffected. So this week we are into Arya 1 of A Clash of Kings. Last uh, well, last time we were with Arya, that was Arya 5 in A Game of Thrones. Arya is surviving on the streets of King's Landing by hunting pigeons. When she hears the summoning bells, she joins the crowd to watch her father confess his treason. Once the confession is done, King Joffrey demands his head. Arya attempts to get to him, but Yorin of the Night's Watch stops her. Afterward, he declares that she is coming with him. So now we find Arya traveling north with Yorn of the Night's Watch, disguised as a boy. When the orphan boy known as Hot Pie tries to steal her sword needle, Arya beats him bloody. Yorn then takes her aside for punishment and reveals that her father was supposed to be allowed to take the black rather than executed. Uh, yeah, I think that just uh, for, for your reader and for Arya, that's just salt in the wound. You know, you're sort of like, what the heck, man? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you already hate them. I mean, you hate the Lannisters, and you think that I, I couldn't hate them anymore after the, the the beheading. And there was a little confusion you might have seen. It seemed like things were, it was all Joffrey. But then to, to realize that, yeah, the Lannisters actually were going to let him go north to the Wall. Like, that that just, seriously, we were that close to keeping one of our favorite characters, and you find it out in the next book. Man, that just, it sucks. Big time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, uh, 
the first little bit of the uh, chapter here at Winterfell, they had called her Arya Horseface, and she thought nothing could be worse. But that was the, before the orphan boy Lommy Greenhands had named her Lumpy Head. Her 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 head felt lumpy when she touched it. Yet Yorin had dragged her into the alley uh, that he thought he meant to kill her but the sour old man had only held her tight sawing through her mats and tangles with his dagger she remembered how the breeze uh, sent the fistfuls of dirty brown hair scattering across the paving stones toward the sept where her father had died i'm taking men and boys from the city yorin growled as the sharp seal scraped her head now you hold still boy by the time he had finished her scalp was nothing but tufts and stubble yeah and that's honestly one of the best things that could have ever happened to her i mean obviously not her father dying but yeah, uh yeah. Yorin, Yorin being right there to uh kind of see the situation realize what's going on and um immediately disguise her so he can get her out of the city yeah absolutely and you know i have a question for you about about Yorin. like do you think that uh you, you know the night's watch is not supposed to take part in in mm-hmm. all of this game of thrones stuff that's going on uh, or the matters of the of the seven kingdoms, but they do. I would imagine that most of those men up there, just because of proximity, or or maybe having, um, when when they go into the seven kingdoms, the people who are more likely to believe their stories about what they see beyond the wall would be the Starks. They're oh, most, absolutely. They're most likely to believe them, and so I think there's some sympathy there for these Stark kids, and I also think. Is it that, or is it just that he knew that Eddard Stark was supposed to be there? You know, I mean, he doesn't have to take Arya. Yeah. Right. You know, right. I don't know. I don't know, though. I'm looking here and I'm I'm looking on his on his um, wiki page and I don't see that it ever we ever learn like where he's originally from. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I know. I know at one point he he does talk about Benjamin Stark and how he was sort of a brother uh to 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 Yorin. And so since he was also Eddard's brother, that kind of made them close in in that regard uh so there was there was that and i think he i don't know he was really respectful around eddard i think he had Mm -hmm. respect for the stark family so there's that they're also the like i said the kingdom that's closest to them that they would have the most interaction with over the years if you're a veteran up there and i think that would be i mean eddard stark's the one who's dealing with with deserters from the night's watch you know yeah absolutely so i i I just i kind of think he's a he's sympathetic here uh and and takes aria knows to that he, that she's in trouble and he just does maybe the right thing or what's what's good uh, he, he's not looking to i don't think he's looking to get, gain anything out of this the one thing it might do for the night's watch is if he were to bring her back to winterfell All right. like that would obviously well, put them in high in high you, you know i think uh, catlin would be grateful they might help and support the night's watch a little bit more send some men you know what i'm saying like it might uh, kind of help with the relationship a little bit. Not that there's not that it's bad, but I think it would continue to kind of strengthen it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it does look like there's a line here. This is from the wiki, and I guess it's referencing a Clash of Kings chapter nine, Arya three. So we're still um, a bit away from that, but I think it does dive into Yorin just a little bit. Okay. Um, and it talks about. Uh, it says here, uh, just in Yorin's kind of history that he has spent the past 30 years traveling the seven kingdoms and recruiting for the night's watch losing only three recruits in that time his travels frequently bring him to winterfell thus he knows the members of house stark and certainly has a loyalty to them 
There you go. Good. So okay. yeah. So yeah. Just, just. I mean, and of course, just by proximity. And it doesn't seem. Um, it doesn't seem likely that the people there would foster relationships against the Starks. I, I guess it kind of depends because, obviously, um, oh God, now I'm blanking. I, I should know his name. Who's the guy that John Snow beheads? Oh, he's the captain. Um, he's the captains of the of the of the gold. Uh, Janus Slint. Yeah, Janus Slint. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, you get a guy like there. Um, yeah there so i mean it def i'm sure i mean it definitely does happen but um yeah. yeah i would i would i would argue that again as you said most of them should have more loyalty to the house stark just because of their proximity and of course who eddard stark is yeah that that might be it too right so so they're around him and you just know he's he's a stern respectable kind of lord i mean even with stannis like besides the whole melisandre business he's someone who you would respect right because mm-hmm. I, like davos kind of we see that through davos like I mean, he he was basically like he he wanted Stannis to be the one to take his fingers, and he knew that that would be like he would accept his justice for sure, because mm-hmm. he was a just man. You know, if if somebody who's I don't know stealing coppers or whatever, or uh, dragons or whatever the, the coinage uh, or or right participating in slavery and stuff like that, you remember mm-hmm. you know uh, that's something you you wouldn't want to accept, I guess, a ruling or or true justice from someone like that who you know is secretly doing things that are mischievous or that are wrong or whatever. It's be like Joffrey to pass a sentence over anybody. It's sort of like, really? You know? Right. I don't know. Right. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. To to call himself just or, or anything like that. Yeah. So I just kind of wondered, it's just a different little dynamic uh, to think about uh, with, with Yorin there and why he's taking Arya uh, there. But you know what I thought was really interesting? Some of my, my bigger takeaways from this were the prisoners that he, that he, gets which we'll get to in a little bit i mean they're uh a bad bunch man they're they're a scary group of guys and 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 aria points that out in some major foreshadowing there uh later on but at the beginning of this we get introduced to kind of her friends you have like the men Mm -hmm. like the prisoners and then you have like the the younger boys if you will Mm -hmm. uh so you've got what's it lami green hands Mm -hmm. right um who's calling her a lumpy head and then hot pie uh you've got then uh the bull later Mm mm-hmm so that's that's kind of those are the younger ish. I guess um, the bull, you know, is is sort of in between uh, those those characters, a little bit older. But uh, they're mean. I mean, they're mean at first year. They're ta- I mean, Arya is two years. What she say? Two years younger than the youngest. I think mm-hmm. so. She's the youngest, the smallest, the uh, you know, she she's they're skinny, but she's skinnier. I mean. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, and as you said, it's, they're mean here. It says, you know, um, when you it's talking about Yorn had taken grown men from the dungeons as well, in terms, in addition to kind of the, the orphan boys there, thieves, poachers, rapers, and the like. The worst part of the three he'd found in the black cells, who must have even scared, who scared even him because he kept them, uh, you know, it, it, tied hand and foot mm-hmm. in the back of a wagon and vowed they'd stay in irons all the way to the wall. One had no nose. When I had a hole in his face where it had been cut off and the gross fat bald one with the pointed teeth and the weeping sores on his cheeks had, you know, eyes like nothing human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and, and here's the here's the description I was talking about when I summoned the wagons. You know, they took five wagons out of King's Landing um, with all the supplies. So you've got um, hides and bolts of cloth and uh, bars of pig iron, a, a cage of ravens, books and paper and ink. Uh, some sour leaf, jars of oil, chest of medicine and spices, 
teams of plow horses pulled the wagons. So just kind of just kind of cool that that that's the supplies he needs he needs to gather. And there are certain things that you get around the Seven Kingdoms, and this is his job. He knows what they need. He's got his supply list, and he's trying to recruit men uh, as best he can. And it's what's, what's crazy too is the the way he recruits um, Lamy and Hot Pie is just basically pulling them out of flea bottom and saying. I'll, I'll give you food. I'll, I'll give feed you. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not it's not the best life in the world, but it's probably a better life than you're going to have here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who which, knows? What the, you know, which yeah. you know is is interesting to think about because, um, I'm just I'm just I'm just thinking of of another character who came from Flea Bottom, who you 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 would imagine. I'm um, thinking obviously think about uh, Sir Duncan the Tall, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, so go back to that that kind of story, the Night of the Seven Kingdoms story. Which, once again, we will tell you, uh, you should read because it's amazing. It is amazing. But, yeah. you know, so you think about there's a guy who's um, huge, right? He's this he's this big, uh, clearly strong guy. And, of course, it's Arlen of Pennytree who comes and kind of saves him. But you, you, you can't, I can't imagine that nobody from the Night's Watch ever approached him and said hey, similar, a similar thing. Yeah, maybe just it's timing, perhaps. I mean, I, I think like like Davos gets out and those who who can get out a lot of them I'm, I'm guessing don't and and they die or they starve or or whatever and they're there in King's Landing because they think the king is going to have mercy and help them and they're poor and they're orphaned and you know who's supposed to help them they're they're you know their parents were killed or maybe they were born and dropped off who knows but they're expecting aid to come right there in the city and but so many of them come, and so many of those orphans show up that I think it's 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 always a problem. They they never have enough resources, or if they do, uh, they they look over it. Uh, they, they look over Fleet Bottom, and they they spend elsewhere for defenses right. and, and different things. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So I wonder I wonder how many people actually are presented this sort of better life by it's almost the Night's Watch is kind of uh, it's kind of like the military, right? You know, like in the mm-hmm. United States, a lot. I think a lot of people. You know, it's viewed a lot of times as if you want to join the military is um, you're given the same opportunities as everyone else who who joins that and you can make something kind of better. You know, I mean, that's yeah. just yeah. So it's that's it, it, the way it's kind of presented in the story too reminds me a lot of or just uh, caused me to think a lot about, you know, what it's like to join the military uh, that because mm-hmm. it, it is in a way it is it is kind of a military where it's a very yeah, like, stru- structure and, and rigidness and, and stuff to people who are from obviously not the best backgrounds. Yeah. You know, here's a question to you. I mean, if, if, and we don't know a whole lot of details about flea bottom. Uh, we, we just know that it's terrible. You can get a bowl of Brown there, which is, sounds, I guess, tasty. Uh, if, if, if you're there, I mean, and you're offered like, why didn't more young boys go? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. like, well, like were these guys really just like the bottom of the barrel and they were maybe, I mean, right now they're picking on Arya and it makes, I actually kind of wonder if they weren't the ones being picked on, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Well, well, it, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But cause it doesn't seem like they take all the people from the, the cells, which I find interesting. Cause you imagine they just be like, yeah, get them out. But it's always like we get our, yeah. we get our, we get our pick, but they don't, they don't just immediately take everyone. And then we see that the night's watch um, is, running barren i mean there's not that many people there so you would yeah. ha- i can't imagine that well it, maybe they're just like i don't want to go and so it's like, go. Okay, yeah, you, it's a you choice, can stay yeah. you can stay here and, and rot um but i think a lot of people just they view the wall as this this it's it's frozen there like i'd rather i'd rather i'd rather stay here in a cell than than go freeze and die 
See, that's crazy to me. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because those black the, those cells are not uh, mm-hmm. sanitary. No. They're not whatever. It's just I think I would be like, yeah, let me out of here. Now maybe there are some who are being held as political prisoners, or they're you know they're being held for other reasons. Who knows? There could be some down there that they're that they're not allowed to take or or offer. The black, that seems to be something that the crown can kind of say, yeah, uh, we can offer these men up. And if they want to take the black, then that's then that's fair. And that's a part of the, the, the justice system. But I would go. I would go up there. You get you get free. You get to move around. You get to whether you're ranging or you're you're at the keep. You've got a role. You have a job. And I feel like that's even if it's freezing cold. I don't know. I just. Well, and it's also a way, it's also a way to give yourself some honor. Is you can yeah. at least put some kind of honor back to your name. Yeah, and, and some of these guys have been, uh, they know that no one's out there get, pushing for them to be freed or what. They get they get sometimes Absolutely. lost and forgotten in those cells, and they might have just right. stolen bread. They might have right. literally stolen bread because well, they were and hungry. and if and if you're somebody who is like, well, I just, I mean, if you're somebody who say you want to break out, right? I mean, mm-hmm. do you think you you probably have a better chance of breaking out from the wall than you do? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're a deserter. You just you know, and then you gotta you have to figure something else out from there, but. Right. Um, you're probably it's probably gonna be a lot harder to break out from King's Landing. Well, I mean, the, the the crazy thing is you can desert and instead of going south, you go north like yeah. Westman's did. And and yeah. you go. Uh, join I mean, that's really dangerous. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. but what they take them, they, 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 they seem to take them, take them. They took Manson or did they? Yeah. I mean, what's the story? Yeah, there? we'll we'll find out more about that. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyways, back to back to this chapter, though, just Lamy and Hot Pie, they become. I, I kind of think maybe they were picked on a little bit, and it's just, it's almost like when when you finally have that moment where okay we're bigger we're stronger now we're riding on horseback and let's pick on somebody it just makes them feel better or something I don't know uh, because like like once they have this interaction with Arya like like later chapters you really start to you really start to like Lamy and in Hot Pie. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. They're 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 like well, not not too many more more chapters for Lamy. Right, yes. right, yeah, <laughs> right. Not too, yeah. But it's it's sort of like they're, they're also just kids, and kids are kids are mean sometimes. And these guys grew up without any guidance on just just with nothing. And so, but here they are. They see a sword, and I feel like Lamy is also trying hot pie. I don't really know that he had. Mm-hmm. He, you know, if there was another kid his size or not even his size, but just even bigger than Arya. I don't think he would have gone over and tried this. It's just oh, because no, she's so little. Right. And and yeah, looks are deceiving. They think they can take her. Um and they're they're trying to get her sword. That's what they notice. They want needle, as we said. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and they start arguing about where she got it because they because from and from their perspective, I think they you know, there's yeah. some there's certainly some validity into their arguments is there's no way that somebody like you could have been given this. Yep. it's cat. It's Castle Forge steel. It's it's a it's a really nice sword. You must have stole it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that's and, then, and she's try- also that's sort of a dead giveaway for her too. You almost wonder why Yorn didn't sort of say. I bet he she wouldn't let him take it. I mean, that's probably what it is because this oh, is I'm sure a reminder. You know, it's a connection to her family. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she will not give up that sword. And it doesn't seem right that she has it, so they definitely think she stole it. And they're, they're well, like, well, it's not even hers, so we we it's fair as fair. If we can take it from you, then you took it from somebody else. Uh, and and she kind of thinks, go ahead, go ahead and try. I dare you to. Essentially, uh, she's like, I'll kill him. Yeah, but she's mm-hmm. thinking this. <laughs> she doesn't. Yeah, say she it, said, right? yeah, she says. She says, I've killed a boy uh, before, a fat boy, <laughs> just like you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so so she's thinking about that, how he died, uh, right there. Um, Stabbed him in the belly and everything, yeah. So, um, 
man, so so Lamy just kind of ag- you know kind of agging hot pie on and um, trying to, you know, kind of saying that that I bet I bet he's going to cry now. Uh, you want to cry, lumpy head, and they call her lumpy head because of the poor cutting of her mm-hmm. hair, right? Is that right? Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, she had cried in her sleep the night before, dreaming of her father. Come morning, she'd uh, woken red-eyed and dry, uh, and could not have shed another tear uh, if her life had had hung on it. He's going to wet his pants, Hop I suggested. Leave him be, said the boy with the shaggy black hair who rode who rode up behind them. Lamy had named him the Bull on account of his horned helm that he had polished all the time, but he never wore. Lamy didn't dare mock the Bull. He was older and big for his age, with a broad chest and strong-looking arms. Which again, just the description of Robert Baratheon when he was younger. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, they definitely won't mess with him. They're not going to mess with 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 the Bull. But, no, because he's but huge. Hopi, yeah, he's right. Yeah, Hopeye still kind of feels like he can he can kind of uh, ride up there beside Arya, and and when when he does, she pulls out her practice sword. She tries to even offer him a sword. Like I don't want to fight. Mm-hmm. Here's the practice sword. Take this. And uh, he was having none of that, and he made a mistake, man. You know, mm-hmm. not not today is what she said. She yeah. said not today. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he tries so, to reach across and grab it, doesn't he? Yeah. So they end up kind of get uh, getting into a little bit, you know, a little bit of of a of a fight here, and then Yorin essentially kind of pulls them uh, apart, which is um, yeah, which yeah, uh, right here it says you know by the time Yorin pulled her off him, Hot Pie was sprawled out on the ground with his breeches brown and smelly, crying as Arya <laughs> wept him over and over. Uh, enough, the Black Brother roared, uh, prying the stick away from her fingers. You want to kill the fool? When Lamy and some others started to squeal, the old man turned on them too. You know, shut your mouths or I'll be shutting them for you. Any more of this and I'll tie you lot behind the wagons and drag you to the wall. And that goes twice for you, Ari. You come with me, boy, now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's also the, like he's going to teach her a lesson here. Obviously, you mm. know, she gets she gets a, you know, a, a spanking. Um, but he, I don't know, man, she gets, she gets whipped. Yeah, it's, it's, she does. It's it's pretty harsh. She has to walk behind her donkey or with her donkey for what, three days or something like that. It's, it's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and really he's setting an example. Nope. No fighting or this is what's going to happen to you. I mean, Mm -hmm. he, I I don't even know. I think the way he makes it sound is like she didn't even get as worse as she had given to him. No, not at all. You know, like she really tore her high up. She did, yeah, and so you know, um, and, and but it's 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 good character building here for for Arya, and I think this is another this is a this is a chapter where a lot of the big Arya fans can look to, um, you know, right here. He's you know uh, so he has her, um, you know, go like hug a tree here, and he's gonna he's gonna you know uh, whip her here with a with a stick, um, you know, and she says you know he tells her to scream loud because he wants. He mm-hmm. wants the others, the others to hear. Yep. Um, so he, you know, he lays the wood against the back of her bare thighs. Uh, you know, think that hurt. Try this one, uh, one more. And she says, you know, I won't, I won't cry. She thought I won't do that. I'm a Stark of Winterfell. Our sigil, sigil is the direwolf. Direwolves don't cry. And then she feels a little bit of blood running down her left leg. You know, so he's like, maybe I got your attention now. Um, you know, and I, and another reason why he's doing it. One, I think, is to set an example. Is two, is because. He, you 
he, he really needs her to not cause any commotion at all. He's really mm-hmm. kind of doing it for her benefit. She just, uh, you know, you know um, it's like, look, the last thing we need to do is draw any attention to us at all. Uh, because, you, you know, you're uh, if anybody figures out who you are, that could yeah. be a really, really bad thing. Yeah, I think he might even they might ask the question like, "What's why is she so angry? What's all this pent up, you know, mm-hmm. anger?" And then she's crying at night. Why? Why is she still crying? She's been taken from King's Landing. Like she, I'm guessing that they think she chose to go, or that you know he, air quote, chose to go. Uh, you wouldn't mm-hmm. just right. take a young a young boy from right. the city without this. So what's going on? I mean, he, he even says um, that it, it it wasn't him, meaning meaning right. Hot Pie, that killed your father, girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nor that thieving right. Lamy neither. So right, yeah, hurting, hurting, yeah, hurting them won't won't bring her back. So he does, he does. Then also, you know, kind of con- console her a little bit here, um, you know. And she talks about, he talks about, he tells her what what happened is that your dad was supposed to take the black, and and mm-hmm. go and come with us, but it was Joffrey. Something something happened to, um, you know. He said someone should kill him. He said somebody will, but it won't be you know me nor you either. Hmm. Well, yeah, he just told us right there, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, someone will, but it won't be me, nor you neither. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Dana definitely. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah, yeah. So he, he, I think it's, it's. He didn't expect this to happen. He was doing her a kindness, but at the same time, can't show favoritism. Uh, a lot of different things. He's telling her where to go pee, all that stuff, you know, so she doesn't get caught here. Um, he didn't have to. I think it's it's mentioned somewhere in there. Or like, I, I don't know if he said it to her or not, but but I almost wonder if he thinks twice about this. He didn't have to bring her. You know, he no, does. He absolutely. So that's didn't. the thing. It's like, why does he? You know, that's that's a big question. I wonder if he's thinking like, oh, this is more trouble. Um, like, I, you know, they're going to come after her. They're going to come looking for. Her. You know, I, he has to imagine that there might be some some mm-hmm. sort of trouble in in harboring her, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, anyways, yeah. So uh, he does tell her though to to chew on some sour leaf though to ease mm-hmm. that pain. So there's your health tip of the day. All right. Hey, I have never once chewed on sour leaf, <laughs> um, nor do I ever plan on it. But yeah, I mean, dude, I, I, I oh, does, the does it help? Does it? I mean, you I, you've ch- you chewed on some sour leaf. Yeah, you? I, you remember you remember when we were at uh, at what we call the newer cows, and I had that uh, that red that was that was it like chewing tobacco, like the uh, red man chewing tobacco or something like that. Yeah, which yeah. is ridiculous. I don't even know. Like somebody gave it to me, and and they were like, "Here, try this," and I'm like, "What is it?" And you know, I kept the pouch in my in my. Just because it was like long leaf kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. put a wad of that. I in think it fall. was. I think it was Josh Stryker, man. It might have been. Oh my gosh! Wow, Office, Officer Josh Josh Stryker. <laughs> wow, there's a shout out. Holy uh, yeah, cow. he gave he came. He was one of Ezra's friends. He came over, gave us some some uh, yeah. sour leaf here, and then I talked to him like twice. And the next yeah. thing you know, like two years later, I'm getting pulled over by him. He's a state highway patrolman. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's. And then he over. let me go because I knew him. I was like, is Josh, Josh Stryker? He's like, oh yeah. Hey, what's up? Yeah. So <laughs> it's, that's yeah, how nice. that's how Ezra Sourly prevented me from getting a speed a speeding ticket. Yeah, there we go. Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Hey, there was one time I was working in the old factory, and those guys it was my last night. I was done. You know, for the summer, it was my last shift, like like twelve hour shift, and they said. um, they wanted me to put in a different dip every two hours, like a fresh dip. Oh, my God. That sounds awful. Terrible. I, it was like some bet, some stupid. I was like, I can do this. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Having not done it before, 
Oh, dude, I was throwing up everywhere, man. Well, you, def- you definitely everywhere. don't. So you just, yeah, you just chew it and spit it out, right? You don't swallow it. I definitely didn't swallow it. No way. I, you just put it on, in the old lip. That I just, you know, it never hit the throat, man. I mean, I should, was, I tr- should I try it? Just heck first no. Time? I mean, I bet heck. I can handle it. What, <laughs> no just, way. What, what, I mean, what do you got to do? You just stick it in there and just swish it around or something? Well, well or? here's the thing. That was that was like the shortcut stuff, which I bet was I could ridiculous. Do it, but like, I'm not going to. No, no, no. I think the longer leaf stuff is something you could kind of chew a little bit and put in the side of your what I no. Here's what I used to do when I was real little. I mean, I just need the longer Hold on a second. The, when you were real little? No, yeah, the the bubble you, gum you, chew. You chewing yeah. tobacco. Big league. When you're, yeah, when you're hey. Little. It was it was big league chew. You remember big league chew? I don't know if you remember Hold that. On, that like, so wait. Wait, so that's bubblegum chew, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was called Big okay. League Chew. Yeah. Okay, because you we were just talking about chewing tobacco and you said when I was little and I was yeah, like, yeah, hold, yeah, on yeah. A, hold on a second. Well, hey, I mean, my, my dad does chew and I cannot tell you, we had to avoid every pop can in the house. You know, you're trying to sneak a mm-hmm. drink a pop in when you're little. Oh, and God. oh my oh. God. Let me tell you, I laughed my I could when my I saw my sister take a big old gulp one time and I knew oh. I knew it wasn't pop and I should have said something. <laughs> but I was didn't. a terrible I was a terrible brother. I was terrible. I was, you know, like 10. It was terrible. So, uh, I definitely had a good laugh and she so you know, gr- yeah, went so gross. Yacked. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, so there you go. There it is. Woo! All right. Um Oh wow, it looks like we got a big raven here. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We, we have a, a big raven. So, uh, j- j- any final thoughts on the chapter? Just, I mean, like you know, basically. No, again, it's 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 kind of it's a it's it's introductory chapter. Just kind of again doing a little more world building now. That I think it's I think that uh, it's it's kind of cool in, in terms of a world building sense because that's really kind of Arya's setting. You know, it's not really any particular place for the rest of for the most of this book. It's more the road, kind of yeah. just out yeah. out on the road, and and then what they're gonna kind of face out there. Right. Yep. And, and she. What's crazy is you get this. This uh, at the very end of that, you get a hope. I mean, you're left with this nugget that oh, she's going to see her brother John again. Right. And you're like, oh, sweet, that'll be good. That'll be good. No, nothing. It's like so many times where you think a character is. They say they're headed to this place. They never get there. They're hoping to see somebody. You hope for them to reunite with someone, and it just never takes place. And it's like, gosh, I shouldn't right. say never, but you know, a yeah. lot of times you're like, wow. So. All right, yeah. So what do we got here? We got a little. Uh, we got a raven, right? Let me see. Let me pull this doc back up here. Uh, this is from from Sarah, right? The Unraveler. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, la- Lady Sarah. Uh, let me see here. This was about a Shara Dane, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. So you're definitely gonna have to get the wiki ready, my friend. I want you googling. Hey, I'll I'll get it fired as we up. go because you know how she is. Okay, dear sirs. Um. Now this was she kind of did a uh, this was sort of in our hiatus when when she sent us this and it was a follow up to one of our Patreon episodes uh, and, and we kind of like I, I think what we we kind of determined is that in and we said this back in in, in a Game of Thrones but I want to say it again when you want to send if you want to send us a Raven about a different spot in this if you want to send it about this chapter um, or the chapter that that is to come that's totally fine uh, if you just in a Clash of Kings. That's great. If you want to talk about Game of Thrones or Dance of Dragons or Winds of Winter or whatever, still send those ravens. We're still going to read them. Um, and I think this is the spot when we get like a nice sort of detailed uh, raven about another character who maybe we haven't met yet or whatever. And we'll just kind of let everybody know that this is, again, it's a reread podcast. It's, and for some folks, it's an initial read. And this might be where they kind of say, okay, 
these guys are about to read about something that I, I haven't learned about yet. Either I can stick around or I know I can dip out and we're good to go. So I just wanted to kind of make that clear. I, I, I love mm-hmm. I, I loved that was the one thing I loved about Follow Up Friday is we were just literally all over the freaking all place. Over, all over the place, yeah. <laughs> and it was it was great. Uh, and it's tough. It's tough to kind of keep up and remember because it's such a uh, just a thick series, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, dear Sirs, the Patreon episode uh, on Miss Ashara Dane was, was as fine as a Dornish Red could be. Bold, rich, and left me dizzy in thought. Uh, I no longer drink, but I still know things. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it was very possible that Ashara Dane was indeed the actual Knight of the Laughing Tree. And so she's kind of uh, referring to our Hall series where we discuss a little bit more about Ashara Dane and then even possibly who is the Knight of the Laughing Tree. Uh, when the reeds tell the story of Hall to Bran, there is an obvious uh, affection for Ashara that can be felt from the details Holland supplies, or Holland supplies, excuse me. Uh, whether it is uh, romantic affection or just a deep-seated respect towards her, it's clear she is held with high regard. Uh, perhaps this is because she defended him at Harrenhal. Lyanna was wonderfully wild, um, wild little she, a wonderfully wild little she-wolf, uh, northern princess. But Ashara was the little sister of Sir Arthur freaking Dane. Yeah, that's actually how we say it on the show. Sir Arthur mm-hmm. freaking Dane. Yeah. Um, yeah. The sword of the morning wielder of the dawn. I can hear it. I can literally hear it in her voice. Uh, the ill-fitting armor and a demand for respect for even the smallest of lords seemed like it could fit like a glove. She would have been trained somewhat uh, by proxy. So is she saying... Ashara Dane, yeah, is the Knight Could of Laughing Tree. Okay, yeah. Okay, hey, there's that's definitely there's definitely some people that yeah. think that. Okay, um, like Arya watching all of her brothers, this wouldn't be all that different. Uh, she would have been equipped with confidence and quote know how to demand attention from an audience and kick those frat boy lordlings uh, off their high horses. So what happened next? The Mad King wanted answers. His paranoia would not let this slight go. I believe he truly thought Jamie uh, defied him and stayed to compete against his wishes. Ares sent his men uh, to get the Knight of Laughing Tree and found it was not the newest member of the Kingsguard, but the sister to its most prominent figure, the best friend to Rhaegar Targaryen. When a father spends his waking moments fearing his son, uh, it is a cycle that cannot be broken until he is removed from the equation. Finding out that Ashara Dane was behind the armor would only confirm to King Ares that Rhaegar was at Harrenhal to switch their roles in power. So basically, you know, Ashara Dane is, is, you know, sister to Sir Arthur Dane, who is best friends with Rhaegar. So if she's the one there, you know, pulling all these shenanigans and pissing off the 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 Mad King, then mm-hmm. that's only going to heighten his paranoia. Uh, his fear of his own son had plagued him for years, rotting him away from heart to mind. I can only imagine the spiral of chaotic energy that came from Ares in these moments, an energy he inflicted upon everyone at any time for any reason. Did King Ares get so worked up over the Night of the Laughing Tree that when he found out it was the sister of his own Kingsguard, uh that he unleashed his worst. Sir Barristan is an earnest uh, narrator at best in his point of view chapters. However, he produces very valuable information about two little known women in the series, Ashara and Rayella, uh, Danny's mother. 
he states someone dishonored Ashara at Harrenhal, thinking Ned Stark, though he should have been thinking more Targaryen. He also informs us that poor Rayella was sub was subjected to violence and her body taken against her will repeatedly by her paranoid, insane, and extremely vicious husband. Now, would it be so far a stretch as to imagine King Aerys inflicting his twisted will against other women? Cough, Joanna Lannister, cough, wife of Tywin, former lady uh, in waiting to Rhaella, dismissed when whispers of Aerys sleeping with her came about. Wow. Uh, there are lion-sized rumors that all of Tywin's three golden children could actually be Aerys. However, it is beyond clear that, jo that Joanna would never willingly participate in Aerys' escapades. A young King Aerys was no better than the older, vain and entitled to anything he believed he could have. Aerys took cruel pleasure in baiting Tywin. He was jealous. Jealous Tywin had Joanna. Jealous Tywin had twins. Jealous Tywin and Joanna uh, truly loved each other. He exercised his king's right on their wedding and clearly viol violated her before and after. All of this being said, could this vile man have done the same to poor Ashara? Let me pause right there. So okay. really the recap in that is that Ashara Dane is the Knight of the Laughing Tree and upon running away or whatever, ditching the armor, ditching the shield, they track her down, find out that it's Ashara, take her back and... The Mad King does what he does, is cruel and mm. and forces himself on her. And the evidence is there and that he's, you know, that with Tywin's wife, you're taking his right, um, the things that he did to his own wife, and he's just become sort of this monstrous, paranoid, crazy, crazy uh, creature. Um, well, here we go. Th th this monstrous creature did not just love to take advantage of women in general. He liked very specific women, women who are strong-willed and not easily taken aback uh, by the windy words of kings, women who have an understanding of themselves in a time where that should be impossible, women who are also attached to strong, good men, men he could never be like or would even want to be like. Why? He is a taker that does not understand how to give. You give to him and he takes. Um, you don't give, he takes anyways, harder and worst. Uh, what would he take away from a young woman who humiliated him in front of the prominent houses in his kingdom, his family, and common folk alike. He won't be giving out any slaps on the wrist or any pardons uh, or giving her any grace uh, to atone for this display of grandeur. No, he will take her, uh, he will take from her what he has taken from others like her before. Um, it is highly likely and highly probable that King Ares raped her as the absolute worst revenge for being the Knight of the Laughing Tree. His history spells it out. Months after Harrenhal, she supposedly gave birth at Dragonstone. Um, so did Rayella, and wouldn't you know it, it was around the same time Danny was born. Seven Hells, what a coincidence. Ashara's daughter was said to have died shortly before uh, or after her birth. In the real world, both older and younger women have healthy babies all the time. So in the terms of uh, this book, let's stick with this. Ashara being the younger mother would have a higher chance in her baby surviving and thriving, while Rayella, being older and weaker, would have a harder time producing the same results. 
Perhaps Rayella lost a baby at Dragonstone instead. That would be true to her to her history. She's always had trouble bringing children to term. She mm-hmm. had been plagued by the Targaryen curse of churning out uh, heir after heir. Um, her poor body was broken from every time her husband forced himself upon her and attacked her violently. This is a detail in both A Song of Ice and Fire uh, and in A World of Ice and Fire, somewhat graphically and very sadly. Um, Sir Barristan reports that the last attack was roughly about nine months prior to Danny's birth. Two baby girls born on one island around the same time, but if they both lived and grew up to be Danny and Val, well, there you go, it was a little mm, twist. There you go, yeah. Uh, starting to think Mance is Sir Arthur Dane again. Or, so here we go, a couple of different possibilities she lists here at the end of this just to kind of sum this up. Um, or she conceived a baby with Ned that died shortly after he was made to marry Catelyn Tully after the death of her brother. Uh, grief can be a tricksy bird and can drive the sanest person mad. So it is entirely possible that within the proper timeline, the death of her brother, the loss of a fast yet deep love stolen from her, and a stillborn child is motivation enough to throw yourself from the highest tower of whatever castle you're in. Or she ran off with Hallen and pursue, and produced Mira and Jojen with no desire to enter the Seven Kingdoms again. Still, she would have been found by now. Uh, but who at this point would really be looking for her? Or she's hanging out with uh, Tyrion on a boat on the other side of the world pretending <laughs> to be Septa, uh, totally over that dead baby and Hall, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. So a lot there, my friend, a lot of different possibilities, you know, and, and suggestions as to... Um, yeah, I yeah. the one that really the one that really struck me is the one I haven't really ever thought about the idea of uh, being the mother of Daenerys and Val with Mad King possibly you know taking himself upon her Mm -hmm. I mean she is at court quite often Um, it could be another reason why Rhaegar is you know has issues with his dad I mean that there's definitely I think some some plausibility to that one yeah, and you know what I thought she was going to say at the end there was that uh, instead of it being Val, um, that if one child had died, if Rayella's ch- child had died, and maybe Asharis had lived, and you know the Danes and Targaryens, they both got those violet kind of eyes, and you could see mm-hmm. maybe someone like Ashara with a Targaryen producing um, someone with real strong Targaryen features, it could have been Danny. Mm-hmm. Really, because uh, actually both Val and Danny, you know, would, if if we're talking about just those two characters, then yeah, they they both have that Targaryen like um, features somewhat in Val and more so in Danny. But yeah, I, I was thinking she was going to go with just like a baby swap, you know, maybe like the older mother right. didn't right. carry her baby to term, but then Ashara did, and this was a way to kind of maybe help preserve the, I don't know, this this. Uh, Maybe maybe Viserys knew that. Maybe he didn't. Maybe you know the Danes knew, or not Danes, but the the, the Martells knew about it, and they're making mm-hmm. a secret pact. I don't know. There's there's still a lot to to kind of figure out with Ashara Dane. We don't really know. Um, we I mean, we're still getting mention of her. We get it in a Game of Thrones, a Storm of Swords, and a Dance of Dragons. She's mentioned, you know, almost throughout the entire series, and by pretty interesting characters who who keep kind of harkening back to her and her 
just being you know, being beautiful and Sir Barristan was someone who loved her and it's sort of like why is this character still relevant? Why is she still a big deal? I mean, she's mm-hmm. brought up as a big deal in, in a Game of Thrones when when it's you know Caitlin or uh, Catelyn is, is confronting Eddard Stark about whether or not he slept with her and did did yeah. he have a child? Is that John's mother? You know, is that, that that's sort of the that rumor that he he puts down. He doesn't want to hear any more about it, and her name was never mentioned again up in you know Winterfell. So. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, a lot of different thoughts. It's crazy to think, though. I actually, here's the, my only qualm with that, is that um, I'm not so sure if Sir, if Sir Arthur Dane and those guys are willing to plot against the king, I don't think they're willing to hand over um, their sister, his sister, right. to to the Mad King. That's the right, only thing. Right. That, yeah, that's, that's but, yeah. That. But, but then back to Sir Barristan saying someone dishonored her at, at, at Harrenhal. Who was that? You know, exactly. that's, I can see why Sarah is trying to put those those together. We just don't know. I mean, you can. She made the case, and I think you know, you totally can. I think it's it's a case to be made. He is that type of guy. It depends on which on on. It depends on who found the knight of the laughing tree. You know, if Rhaegar didn't find the knight and only found the shield and the armor or whatever, did someone else for from King King Aerys find her? You know what I mean? And then he only found what was left of the armor and everything else. And maybe someone found found out that it was her and it was it was Aerys, you know, his own, I don't know, like a closer. I know he has the King's Guard, but I wonder if there was some of his own secret, you know, men who uh, kind of got a hold of her or something maybe. I just don't know. I, I definitely don't think that Sir Arthur Dane would turn over his sister to the Mad King. Yeah, it does seem it does seem unlikely. Um, but but then but then again, I mean, you're also a member of the King's Guard. I mean, so you're in that position. Yeah, what are you where, gonna do? Yeah, you you're, yeah, you're in that position where what are you gonna do? Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's you know, Jamie, J- Jamie was in that position, and he said, "Well, I'm gonna stab you in the back and save everyone. Yeah. I'm not gonna, well, I'm not gonna." Yeah, I mean, J- Jamie also had to stand by and listen to Robert be in there with other women and whoring around, and then treating his sister poorly. And he stood by while all of that was happening. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. all the meanwhile, they're kind of plotting the king's death. But mm-hmm. uh, e- yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. Like a lot of different ways you can go with with the Dane. It's it's interesting for sure. It's kind of uh, kind of graphic and in in crazy. But that's the Mad King. You know, he's it's it's he's a brutal dude. I mean, just. It's what really makes it. It's, it's great. I mean, it is kind of, you know, we have Joffrey. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because we we see Joffrey and we see Ramsay, and we think about all these kind of evil jerk people, and we see them, but then you know you hear about the Mad King, and he really kind of makes even them seem not nearly as bad. And so mm-hmm. it's like this character we're here constantly hearing about as as this really really evil guy. So I, I think it's I think it's 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 a he's a great villain. In, in the yeah. story. You know, here's an interesting, yeah, you're, you're right, 100%. An interesting quote, and I, we've, we've read what, you know, Sir Barristan kind of his thoughts about the tourney at Heron Hall and, and Ashara Dane, but he does say this, and this is just off the wiki, uh, she, and this is his own internal thoughts. She died never knowing that Sir Barristan had loved her. Uh, how could she? You know, he was a knight of the King's Guard, uh, sworn to celibacy. Uh, no good could have come from telling her his feelings. No good uh, came from silence either. If he had unhorsed Rhaegar and crowned Ashara, queen of love and beauty, might she have looked to me instead mm-hmm. of Stark? Yeah. Instead of Stark. So in his mind, it's Stark, you know, that, that she looks to. So that's, that's, that's 
wild. It kind of confirms what what uh, Catelyn Stark had said before, and also it it more reaffirms. We often talk about he wished that he were a more honorable knight on that day, or that he was that he had you know kind of been. I don't know, more knightly or just true. And, but it looks like he's, he's inferring, or I can infer from that, that he thinks he could have un, unhorsed Rhaegar and, and it was simply a choice not to. You know, it was a choice. He chose to not yeah. unhorse him. But if he had have chose to unhorse him, he could he crowned. have? Do you think you could have? He, he says, if, he if yeah, and this, I'm just, we're talking about the boss of all bosses here. So being embarrassed in the bold. If I had unhorsed Rhaegar, so mm-hmm. and I, I kind of th- well, I thought he said that, that if is, I if I thought he's, his line is if I had been a better knight. That's one too. That's another. Right. That's another one. Which you put those two together, and that's where I'm thinking. I think it was a choice that he chose to not unhorse him. Mm-hmm. You could take that as like, well, if I would have beat him, you know, I just didn't beat him. Right. Too bad I didn't. Right. But I kind of think he could have maybe chose not to. So. Yeah. Okay. Boy. All right. Well, hey, thanks for the Raven, Lady Sarah. That is great. That is yeah. I, yeah. I mean any. Anytime we get a, we get to dive into some of the the stuff that happens before the series, I think that's still um, kind of the, some of the most exciting stuff. That the stuff surrounding Harrenhal, Robert's Rebellion, the Mad King. Yeah, um, it's just mysteries. Know, yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, great. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So, um, all right. Well, uh, Sir Ezra, I think it is. Uh, it's time to sign off here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to mention that if you're interested in that Patch Face episode up on Patreon, that will be there. And uh, this month, later this month, we're also going to be doing our Heron Hall series, finishing up that mm-hmm. part four for you guys. And then we got to pick a different series to kind of dive into for the next couple months. We're open in 2020 to, to lay out a new calendar for, for the series. So be sure to check that out. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 2, Sansa 1. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that the night is dark and full of terrors.